I thought that I had a character flaw, that my depression, my suicidality was something that I could just overcome. If I would only eat more vegetables, if I would be more physically fit, or if I would get married, or if I bought a house. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. If you or someone you know had a broken arm, you'd want to get it treated right away. Well, PTSD and clinical depression are no different. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean you can ignore them. And just like a broken arm, it is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. Here to talk about why that stigma exists and how to overcome it is Todd Donovan. He's a firefighter paramedic for the Derry, New Hampshire Fire Department, as well as a data specialist for the New Hampshire Fire Academy and DMS. He's a volunteer for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, New Hampshire, And Todd Donovan joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you for having me. Let's start, if we could, with your own personal battle. How has mental illness affected you? Well, I have a diagnosis of major depression disorder, uh, along with psychotic episodes. And it started for me when I was eight years old, when I took an overdose of aspirin. And I don't remember the circumstances around it. I just remember getting really sick and just wanting to die. So I've struggled for this for uh, 40 plus years. Wow. So did becoming a firefighter make it even more even more intense? It did. I, I sort of think that I chose to become a paramedic and firefighter because it kind of kept me close to death. And for many years, I just ruminated on my own death I could not escape it. How have the things you've seen in your career affected you? Well, there are certainly things in my in, that I've seen and heard, things that I've smelled, things that I've touched that will never leave me. And it certainly caused more problems than it uh, solved. It's definitely been a battle that is difficult to overcome. One of the things that really struck me, and I didn't really understand it until the last four years, is that I thought that I had a character flaw, uh, that my depression, my suicidality was something that I could just overcome. If I would only eat more vegetables, if I would be more physically fit, or if I would get married, or if I bought a house, or if I went to college. Or take the right vitamins. Or take the right vitamins. Anything that I could do, uh, pull myself up by the bootstraps, that I would overcome that suicidality and those images of my own death that I see over and over and over again. 
and I discovered that that's just not the case, that it is a, it is an illness that has symptoms, and those symptoms were suicidality as well as other things like not showering, um, having a difficult time with relationships. It is not a character flaw, as I've discovered. How quickly were you able to see results once you began treatment? It came fairly quickly when I saw the doctor for it. I, I went at the age of 18, I tried to die by suicide, and I was discovered by a police officer. And I entered the mental health system through that incident. And I received, and I've uh, received a diagnosis of major depressive disorder from that suicide attempt at the age of 18. Does this give you more empathy when you deal with people that you encounter who have mental illness? It does now. Four, four years ago, I discovered a treatment that worked for me, and it really brought to light that it wasn't a character flaw, that it wasn't something that I could overcome just by doing those things that we mentioned earlier. So it, it now I have more empathy for people who are suicidal or the, the person with schizophrenia or the person with an anxiety disorder. I think I definitely have a different perspective now. What was that treatment that you discovered? It's called transcranial magnetic stimulation. It's a non-drug therapy. It's a non-invasive non-drug therapy. And it essentially is an MRI-sized magnet and I get 3,000 pulses of that magnet that's focused in on the prefrontal cortex of the left side of my brain. And it stimulates the neurons in that section of the brain uh, where uh, depression is thought to lie. And what was fascinating is after my 22nd treatment, I woke up in the morning and I had no suicidal thoughts which was very odd for me. I'd never experienced that before. I even tried conjuring up those suicidal thoughts, and I couldn't, I couldn't conjure them up. So that was a new feeling for me. And through trial and error, I've discovered that I need to go for one treatment every three to four weeks, and it keeps me high-functioning, and it keeps the suicidality at bay. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. So at some point, I'm assuming that you made it known to the other firefighters in your house that you had this problem? I did. What happened was, is two years ago, I became a speaker for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the New Hampshire chapter. And through that program, it's called In Our Own Voice, where people with lived mental health conditions, with lived mental conditions, will, can go out and talk about their illness and how they, and their journey. And so um, during Health and Safety Week, I volunteered to do my own, in our own voice, talk, and I told our entire department about my mental illness and how it has affected me and how it's affected my relationship with my coworkers. And I was really pleased with how my 
fellow firefighters responded. I received hugs. I received a lot of positive feedback. And more importantly, I, I broke down the stigma that was preventing four different people in my department from talking to me about their illness. And two of those four people have seen their primary care provider for their mental health condition that they have. And I'm really happy about that, that we're able to shed some light on an illness that has taken so many firefighters' lives. So you're saying that you came forward with this and because of that, four other firefighters also felt that they could come forward as well? They did, yes. They came to me privately and I encouraged them to go to their primary care provider to get treatment and they have done that. Two of them have done that. That is amazing. I think that's something that a lot of people don't expect would happen because I know that people living with these sort of mental illnesses a lot of times just keep them quiet so that they won't be considered weak. And that's what I did for years. I considered myself weak every time I was suicidal, which was most of the time. And and I am trying to speak at many different as many events as I can and many as many firehouses as I can to explain to people that it's nothing to be ashamed of. What we see, what we do, what we hear, what we think, uh, everything that we see in our profession has has an accumulated trauma to our brain. It's no different than a bruise on your arm. A lot of times when you have a bruise on your arm, you'll You'll massage it, you'll feel the pain, you'll revisit it, and it's no different in your brain. When you receive a trauma, you see something, smell something, hear something that is unnatural, you will oftentimes, just like a bruise, revisit it, massage it. And sometimes that's not very healthy, and you may need professional help to escape that illness. And that's what I'm trying to do, is I'm trying to shed light on PTSD and depression. When you speak to groups of firefighters, do you see a different reaction than when you speak to other groups? No, I see I see absolute surprise on a lot of firefighter faces, especially firefighters that are older than 25 or so. I see people just kind of surprised at, that someone actually came out and started talking about this. The younger firefighters that are under 25 I see them as like, and I've talked to several of them. They said, well, this is no big deal. I understand what's going on. So I'm not sure. There must be a generational thing there. I'm not sure how that works. But I definitely get surprised looks from people when I do talk to other firefighters. All right, Todd Donovan, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. And we put some more information about first responder mental health on our website at code3podcast.com slash PTSD. Check it out. Here comes your trivia question. Why is the Maltese cross the fire service symbol? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious, but it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the bull sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today. 
support the show, and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. And here's the trivia answer. The Maltese Cross represents the ideals of saving lives and extinguishing fires. The cross was borrowed from the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem. They existed in the 11th and 12th centuries, and they helped the poor and the sick. The Knights of St. John later assisted the Knights of the Crusades in a relief effort on the island of Malta. That's what the Maltese cross was named for. It eventually came to represent some high-minded principles like charity, loyalty, chivalry, and protection of the weak. And that's where the Maltese cross came from. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Got something to say to me? Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening today. I'll be back next time with more, and I sure hope you'll be here too. I'm Scott R., and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.